What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand spanking new episode of Right Who You Know. I'm Matt Hausfetter. Uh, and this is what I used to say was the screenwriting podcast of the behind the scenes of the behind the scenes. But I wanted to tell you, we're going to be doing something a little different this season. I'm going to interview screenwriters, but I'm also going to interview songwriters because writing anything in the arts is incredibly difficult and probably makes you want to put a gun in your mouth and pull your hair out. And I love so much music and know people that are wonderful musicians and songwriters that it only makes sense that I open up the uh, I open up the spectrum and start to uh, interview, you know, friends, colleagues, and strangers in song as well. Um, but today we're not going to do that. First of all, it's been a while. How the fuck are ya? Hey, how are ya? I'm pretty good, all things considered. Uh, I'm negotiating a deal uh, on an original pitch that I sold with my buddy. Uh, I'm developing this awesome animated show at Warner Brothers with my Fairfax creators that we've been uh, developing forever. Uh, I'm constantly trying to push these other balls up the hill. I'm doing some freelance work for Sony, some copywriting work. It never stops. And so we're starting season two with a fucking bang, with a great guest, with Zach Bornstein. I'm so excited to have him on the podcast. He is a Twitter ledge. He currently writes on Shrinking. He's written on SNL. He's been nominated for Emmy Awards. He's won WGA Awards. He is a creator of Trip Tank. And uh, he's also known in some circles as the Green Menace, which I will let you guys unpack in this episode but uh, over winter break, Zach was nice enough to come to my house. We had a couple uh, sodas, a lot of laughs. He's got a beautiful necklace we're going to talk about. Um, so sit back, relax, twist one up, kick your feet up. Know that I'm here. I'm back, baby, to answer all your screenwriting needs. Also, I just want to say really quick before we start, The Bear is not a comedy. So uh, check out my episode with screenwriter Twitter ledge Green Menace. Zach Bornstein. Pass. Nope. We love Matt. It's just a really hard time right now. The industry's contracting. Come back to us and give some bigger attachments. Tell them right what you know. No, tell them right who you know. Is Pumplemousse grapefruit? I don't know. That's okay. a great question, dude. I always assumed it was. It tastes. It tastes like just vaguely like they didn't want to decide what it was. Like oh. they were just like, you know, deal, like a the the Airheads mystery white uh, flavor. But I always thought it was just like a cherry that Airheads mystery white. But I like oh, you. Were you an Airheads kid growing up? Oh, that was who, legit I, I, my favorite candy. It's incredible. Did you go to sleepaway camp? Yes. Yeah. Back. I got kicked out of like four different ones. Why? I, I was have, a really so bad emotional child. Like, so was I, was, I. Really? Yes. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. I got. My I got man. asked to leave mommy and me. And I, <laughs> dude, no, no joke. That's, I wish my mom were here to corroborate. <laughs> but yeah, I was a. I was very emotional. Oh, what, wow. what? What did you get asked to leave for? I got asked to leave for all kinds of stuff. Where? First of all, where did you go to sleep? Wait, did you go back east? I went to. So I grew up in Seattle, and so I went to a bunch of West Coast ones. One in in Washington called uh, camp newman one in uh oregon called uh oh, what was it it was called benet brith maybe one in uh california called no that one was camp newman washington was camp coleman i got kicked out of every single one of them because i would always do something weird i'd always freak out at something i was such an emotional child my mom would always say am i gonna get a phone call 
because she would get every time there was a field trip, anytime there was any sort of school activity, I would get kicked off of every single one. And it wasn't, uh, I don't even, it, there weren't any like really good stories. I got expelled from two different middle schools. Those ones are better stories, but the, but the elementary school and the camp ones, those were just like, just, a, I was just a lunatic. When you say lunatic, like, you know, like you kicked a kid in the balls, you set a cabin on fire <laughs> accidentally. Like what, like what level are we talking? Like I'm, I wasn't violent. Okay. It was more just like, I would just like, fr- I really didn't like if, if I felt like things were unfair, like, you know, if like, uh, like I felt like if a game was tilted or like very competitive and if, and I would just lose my mind. And if, you know, oh, you're, you're playing, say, dodgeball and someone calls you out and you go, no, I, it, it, I didn't even graze me. And they go, no, 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 I saw it. And you, and you know, in your heart, <laughs> in your like six year old heart that it did not graze you. Um, and they say, no, you're out. I just I couldn't. At that age, my brain couldn't handle that, so I would just, I would just freak out and then get in trouble. And like screaming fits would ensue, basically. Yes, it's so interesting because I've, I've, put, I, I've lost so many memories that, like, if you say name a memory, like before you're ten, I like can't do a specific. It's like very hard to do a specific memory unless I have like a photo or something. Mm, is this from years of smoking marijuana? Because that seems to be my. Problem. Oh really? Yeah. I thought it was like some kind of, um, like. <laughs> Uh, like mental strategy or whatever to protect myself. Maybe, yeah, maybe I made are. it nice, but no, I did smoke a lot of weed in college, so maybe it just was I just destroyed all those connections. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so funny. I thought I... Uh, see, I smoke pot every bummer. day, and okay. I still have a pretty good... I haven't gotten high yet. Before I podcast, I don't mm. get high because I'll just be like, Ooh, and I'll be in my head about like <laughs> what I'm asking you, and I can't keep a train of thought. Um, but I have always been told like, yeah, the, you know, when you smoke pot before your brain's fully deformed, like deformed, deformed <laughs> and like, you know, um, that you can lose memories. And what's interesting about my marijuana journey, not to make this about me is I started smoking pot in ninth grade. I decided, oh, well, I'm going to do ecstasy. That's like the next natural oh, step quick. when you're 15. That's very quick. And I bought it from some kid who had like a leather duster at an, <laughs> in high school and it was so speedy. I thought I was gonna die, and I did it in my my house. And my mom and my brother went on like a college you tour just trip. Solo, you did a solo playing e-trip. Tony Hawk's pro skater by myself. My dad was home and asleep, and I was like, eventually in a pool of my own sweat, and <laughs> I felt like my heart was gonna explode. And I started saying to myself, "This is the point where I either wake up my dad and tell him to take me to the hospital, or just." bite my tongue yeah you know? and i basically like looked to the sky and i was like god if you get me out of this <laughs> i'll never smoke weed again and so for years up until like sophomore year of college i didn't do anything and so my brain like got to form i guess and then i had to make up for lost time which i've been doing oh, ever wow. since wow yeah. so you didn't tell your dad no you just kept no years later i did was tony hawk incredible I no mean, it, uh... nothing was incredible because i don't think i got like I also, I was like trying to be like the characters and go. Like I like wanted. I was very much like, if I see a movie, sure. I you know I'm like I saw Igby goes down and wore like suit coats to school <laughs> for like a month. I was that kid. That's very funny. Um, but back to you, camp. No, I like this. Like, we can we can talk more I about hear more about you doing drugs alone did, you know, at fourteen. Here's what I'll tell you, Zach. I tried it again when I was twenty. I was like, it's Halloween night. Solo. No. Okay. Uh, with a friend who's like a very experienced drug user, 
Um, I was dressed up as Daft Punk, and okay. I felt like if there was ever a time to do ecstasy, it's when I'm uh, sure. r- wearing a robot helmet. And you know, did um, you make the helmet? Or you gonna... I did make the helmet, okay. pasta bowl, and then like, a, <laughs> and then like a friend of mine who's very crafty helped me turn um, a Power Rangers mask, like using aluminum foil, mm. into it, and then we lined my entire outfit with like LED mini glow sticks, and then sick. I had a. I took a belt buckle that I bought on like eBay that like uh-huh. you could program to say LED shit. Okay, and it said more human than human. It was it was, uh, it was cool. Great. It was a great costume. But I again had another meltdown mm. where I I mean because I've had ADHD since I was also a problem child and sure. taken Ritalin, Dexedrine, Zoloft, you know, you name it. Speed and or also cocaine affect me in a very bizarro way where I could fall asleep. Like if I've done. Oh, it. okay. But the speed was so much in these two different ecstasy experiences that I I basically stayed up all night, walked around La Brea a bunch with this other friend of mine, and again was like, why did I do this? I'll never do it again. And so when Molly came into fashion years later, I was convinced at a Coachella, you need to try this Molly. We're about to watch Bonnie Vare. You need to do. <laughs> and I had another fucking... I had a panic attack. Uh, it wasn't even induced from the ecstasy. It was just Jewish, you know, sure. nerves. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm glad we did five minutes. <laughs> Are you okay? Yes, I'm great. I'm great. This is what's being cut out next, just for the no, listeners. Be- it's just 20 minutes of us sitting in silence, looking at the floor, <laughs> reminiscing about dark, dark moments. Um, I also was suspended from school. You were expelled from multiple I was expelled schools? from two different middle schools. The first one was... Um, it was just a litany of offenses that so the uh, the the I don't know what part I get here so the 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 I was a very weird kid I didn't have any identity I'd like no friends there was this guy who would bully me all the time and he would always like pull my backpack backwards and like Yank throw me to down. the ground yeah this kid so sucks he, I already he hate Adrian him. this fucking guy and I, one time I pushed him back. And he fell back and hit his head against, like, the stack of metal rulers and, like, was bleeding from the head. And I got in big trouble for that. And this kid was uh, the vice principal's son. So then the vice principal made it his mission to collect any uh, problem, any anything he could about me. So he got, like, he – so he – I would kept getting suspended for, like, tiny things. Like, at one point, the teacher said I called someone a space cadet. And I like got in trouble for that, and I like got detention for that. When I was like, I don't. Even, that sounds like a compliment. Like I don't even know how that could be an insult. They and there was another, and and then I also would freak out at different things. And so eventually, he like brought, he put together like a folio of he offenses. Made, yeah, and I got <laughs> he made a case. He you. literally made a case. And so then I got expelled. And so then. I uh, went to a new school. Adrian fucking sucks. Do you like keep it? Like, have you? I haven't. I I haven't kept uh, like Instagram watch on him. Okay, or anybody that used to taunt you because I look for them and I. Oh can't really? Find, oh yeah, there was a kid at camp that fucked with me in a major way. What's his name? Michael Green. His oh, dad was fucker. his dad was involved in the Miami Hurricanes, like the football organization. Wow. Okay, <clears throat> and uh, I have it out for him hard. Oh wow. Okay. Yes, but it's back to you. Kid. Back to you. And so this was school number one. They built a school case. number one. Built a case. I was bad a lot of the time. I am leaving out a lot of uh, offenses. But so if, I, I, that one was just a litany. The folio. You're out of here. Too many chances. New school, and at the new school, I was like, okay, nobody knows me. I have. I'm gonna try to remake myself. 
And th- so, this is like an act two Rushmore Max at the public yes, school is exactly. what I'm imagining. And I like wore completely different clothes. I like went to Fred Meyer, which is like a grocery store, but they also had a small clothing. And I got like a matching head to toe sweatsuit that just said vibes <laughs> on it. The pants, the sweatpants and Was the it velour? It was velour adjacent. It was like too cheap. It was like cheap velour. <laughs> okay. Where it's just it just feels like inside out sweatpants. You know, like the inside yes. of sweatpants, oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. bad, like kind of scratchy ones. The whole the inside and outside okay. was that. And I wore that and I tried to be cool. I like said swear words. I wore hats. It How was old like, are you doing this? This is 14. Okay. And in the first few months I made this friend. Uh and he, one day he's like, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna buy some weed. And I was like, Fuck yeah, like I always do. Have you I, ever been high or smoked never, or seen even never. seen marijuana? I had I I like didn't really I knew it was like green. <laughs> I like didn't really know what it meant. There was like one time in uh at one camp that uh a kid sold me uh oregano I uh, of course and I uh I know I was bragging about it, but it you know it and so I was like that I knew it looks like Same. that. I was very unexperienced too yeah. and bought oregano a couple times. <laughs> So I went to so this this friend took me. He's like, we're gonna meet Mercer in the bathroom. So we met Mercer in the bathroom, and Mercer takes it out, and he's got this tiny like it was a thumbnail of weed, and it was it looked like you know he's holding like uh you know like the the, the a diamond or something. It looked <laughs> enormous to me, it, and beautiful. And he's showing it to us. It's probably the worst stalest weed. And he and then he took out a lighter, and he had like taken out the little thing, so the flame went really high, and it was so cool. And then we were talking about it, and then all of a sudden, this uh, Miss Jones, who was the like hallway monitor, she must have heard us through the vents or something, because she came bursting into the boys' bathroom, and we all ran to the urinals, and there's like 20 urinals, and we all went to the three next to each other at the very end. So obviously, we're not pissing next to each other. And she yells at us. She's like, come over here. And she's like, what's in your hands? And she made us go one by one. And Mercer literally is like sh- holding out his left hand, and then... She'd go, your other hand with his other hand behind his back, and then would switch the weed into the other hand behind his back. And it was like so obvious. And then finally, she goes, both hands. She sees the nugget, and they call the cops. And they have cops come, and we 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 get like uh, they didn't handcuff Detained. us, but they got. And I remember, and I remember, and I was freaking out. And I remember Mercer put his lighter in my hood, and I was like, I hope they don't see that. And I, they actually they didn't see that. I was able to like go throw that out later. But we got taken by the cops to the principal's office and yelled at, and uh, it was very gnarly. But what, uh, Mer- what Mercer was getting in a lot of trouble. He's the dealer. We were just like, oh, just he was much more popular than me. Mm-hmm. So he got everyone else in the school, all his friends, to say I was the dealer. And he even came up with a nickname. He says, no, Zach is the green menace. That's what we all call him. Which I thought was pretty, like, I was like, that that's really fucking name. cool. And I was the biggest loser ever. I had no friends. And all of a sudden, people think I'm a dealer named the Green Menace. Then reality set in. I'm getting expelled. And after that school, I would have had to gone to, like, a juvie school. And it would have been uh, it would have been very bad. Because, uh, uh, yeah, just, it just you know. My, and so my parents were very mad. Obviously, I had to go to rehab even though I had never smoked uh-huh. in, like, eighth grade. So I'm, like, in this, like, rehab, and they're, like, yelling at me and, like, being, like, very intense about it. You know, it's... Uh, um, You're like, dude, I just... It was, I was literally just looking at a thing of weed. Like, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was looking at a thing. But I was I was there to purchase it, to be fair. I was, you know, I had sure. the... I had intent. intent. I had intent. Uh, 
But then, um, uh, so then school started. This was after winter break. School started up again, and Mercer got caught immediately again and confessed that he was the real dealer, and I got uh, reinstated. Holy so shit. So I was very lucky that he didn't learn any lessons from his time because I would have, you know, think that things end up being you know, school ended up being, being fine for me. But uh, I actually found out recently, this is very dark, but I was I was talking to an old friend from Seattle and I was like, whatever happened to the friend who I went to buy the weed from because he just got married? And I was like, whatever happened to Mercer? And he goes, this is crazy. He got killed executioner style on a basketball court because he was like over some like uh, drug deal gone bad. So Kid did not learn his didn't lesson. Didn't learn his lesson. It's a very sad story. It is. But, like, I can't help but, like, chuckle at it a little I know. Bit. Like, I know. The, by the way, to just... The epilogue makes it sad, but... Not, the, to, not to age you, what year is this? This is uh, 2000... Um, it's 2020. I'm 15. <laughs> uh, no, this is... Uh, what year was this? 2004? Okay. Three, four, five, somewhere Okay, so, like, there. the Eminem show had just come out. Uh-huh. White, yeah. uh, white, young, like, uh-huh. saying, you know, uh, gay slurs yep. is in vogue. Huge. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, wearing sweatsuits that say right. vibes. You know, there was, it was, you know, I was I was trying to fit in desperately. Okay. And did you go to, like, traditional college after schools? Yeah, so I went to, I also, I had, you know, I also got suspended a bunch in high school, but I was kind of cleaning up my act and doing better academically and then went to Brown. Oh, shit. Um, I did, you know what's so interesting? They always made me feel in high school like if you get suspended or expelled, you will never go to like a prestigious <laughs> university. And I've met so many people now who are like, yeah, I was expelled. I went to fucking, you know, <laughs> Yale. I'm like, I thought like your life is over. They made it seem like your life's over. They make it seem like there is a permanent record that there is this one file yeah. that everyone has and that you can never look at. And it just is, it's just there in some, you know, file cabinet somewhere that gets passed around to anyone who could judge you. And I don't think it's, I mean, maybe there's like some permanent, like, uh, you know, felony type, you know, background check type stuff. But I don't know if schools have access to. What years were you at Brown? Because I feel like you may have been there when I was at Boston University. And I'd always go visit Brown. Uh, from there. 8 to 12. Oh, shit. Okay. So, no, you're a younger man than I am, and I'm an old bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I know you know Dan and Benji. Though. I do know Dan and, and Benji. Yeah, they, I was more there. Benji was like one year older than me because we went to high school together. Yeah. Um, and how do you know those guys? Um, just through writer just community. Writer. I went. I went to their shakies things. I love. They're those just the they loveliest. Do. Yeah. Most supportive guys. So I and now I want to kill them because I'm like I would murder you for your career. It's, it's incredible. Fucking I Ninja like, Turtles. I'm like, where do you go so from here? Good. Where do you go? I guess Mario or like I don't even know. Um Yeah, Mario. That's the one. <laughs> um so Zach, where in your journey, like did you like was it movies or TV? Like what did what when did a light bulb go off in your brain where like I think I wanna like be in Hollywood or I wanna do you know movies? Sure. So 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 the like origin of it was I remember in like seventh grade I had still no friends. This is pre expulsions. Mm-hmm. Pre-vibes. Um, pre-vibes, yeah. This is when I was still wearing, like, I, I mean, I went through so many identities. I was like, which one of these will make people like me? And the answer was none of them. Because, <laughs> uh, like, I could wear two polos, pop them both. I could dress, you know, I all black and gel my hair up. No, no one li- And, like, no matter what, there was no costume I could wear. 
But, you know, at that age, you think, oh, if I could just nail the Goodwill selection, oh, yeah. people will finally go, oh, that's a, that's my guy. If Depending on what day you would catch me on high school, one day I'd be dressed in all Hurley like Blink-182. Yes. <laughs> the next day, Igby goes down. Uh-huh. Then third day, you could find me in like head-to-toe Echo, Fat Farm, <laughs> Triple Five yep. Soul. I was truly having an identity crisis. And then, you know, just like a skater boy the next. I, I, and so it's so interesting. I think so many boys uh, of that time were like, who, like, what do I want to be? Like, an MTV yeah. TRL had a big to-do with, like... Of course, yeah. Oh, Christ. Yeah, it, well, I have a pilot, actually, that's about that time, about trying to find an identity. That It's it's funny you mentioned that, because it's... I, 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 it's nice knowing other folks went through that as yes. well, of that kind of, like, scattershot, like, yeah. uh, what the hell am I? Yeah. And then you realize, oh, nothing. I'm just <laughs> another... I'm just another Jew, yeah. or whatever it is. Um, oh, so at that time, I remember... I had no friends, and I remember being like, okay, what do I – I just want one friend. Like, how do I have one friend? And I was like, oh, the funny people have friends. So I, like, almost, like, studied funny. Like, I, like, would – and this is part of why I kept getting in trouble in the in uh, uh, in the vice principal's folio is I would try to make jokes, and obviously a lot of them were pretty, you know – at someone's expense or at my own expense, but inappropriate. And And this is what I tell people is also not to go back to it, but, like, at this time, Perez Hilton, Eminem, like, you were truly celebrated for being a fucking asshole. Yes. Like, I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell was, like, one of the biggest books. And it was, like, how flagrant and obnoxious Uh and shitty at someone else's expense can you be? Because you'll be celebrated (laughs) for it. Yeah, it was a real peak douche time. (laughs) That Yeah, the douchier, the more beloved. Um so I, w- I tried doing that, and, you know, I was able to do the douche part without the belovedness, <laughs> but it did make me start being, you know, getting more into comedy and stuff. And then uh, what really got me into it was in, in college. I kind of just – I was a, a neuroscience major and doing that stuff, but I, I just kind of fell into all these comedy groups. Um, like there was a stand-up group that I thought was a, a character artist group because that's what their flyer said at like the you know the welcome to college thing because they were just doing a, a joke so i showed up to it and it was like tryouts i didn't realize it <laughs> and then wrote some stand-up and they liked it there was like a a sketch comedy group i fell in and like a, a satirical newspaper and uh like a comedy magazine so i ended up getting into all of these and then i did that like non-stop for four years and i just loved it and i finally had groups of people and friends and i just like felt like oh this is my this is what i love doing and some of it even in college was doing well online i had some things going viral and whatnot so then what i really wanted to do after college was late night i was like all i loved late night like i grew up on conan yeah, conan like, was doing my the, shit the, 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 the snip, string snip. dance oh my yes. god yeah i would do that in like you know in sixth grade i was like doing that uh at, at my bar mitzvah and stuff i was doing so i just loved i would always stay up late with my dad and watch letterman and then conan and and then Mondays we'd watch Leno for the headlines. I loved headlines. Funny. Kevin but Eubanks also is an Eubanks. unsung hero Incredible. of the fucking. He's, I mean, he's he's amazing. Yeah. I'll sing him all day long. Exactly. No, you're good. He just kicked me. If you can't, if you didn't hear that <laughs> yeah, on, yeah. at home, he just absolutely wailed on me after. <laughs> I thought we were opening up to each other and having some good vibes, but just socked me with some very soft slippers. But then. Um, I've completely You're in college. You you found a group of friends. So I desperately wanted to do late night. Love that. Because also I wanted to do sketch. I wanted to do stand-up. I wanted to do like remotes. So I did all all of that was things I I loved. So then after college, um, I was going to – my parents really wanted me to go to medical school or or get a PhD. And so I was like, I'm going to take a year to like 
just try comedy while I'm applying for scholarships and stuff, knowing hopefully I won't. I, I won't. Uh, so then in that first year, I started a sketch group. Um, we got an hour slot at this theater called The Pit. Were you in, wh- where are you right now? In, in LA? New York. In New York, okay. Yeah. And um, I started making videos every week and just like, you know, I had no money, no, no, like I was living on different people's couches and, you know, doing sublets here or there. Like, but me and my friends were renting a place where it was like a two bedroom and we built two more bedrooms into the living room using Ikea bookshelves Incredible. and punched out the back of a sliding wardrobe. <laughs> So it was like you're going into Narnia in your bedroom and like so we we just anything and you know some this friend oh they have a camera this friend oh they have a mic and so just putting together stuff and some of that started doing well and the live show um we after the f- first couple shows we got like a little New York Times blurb and then some of the videos uh were going viralish and then one day on Twitter just Jimmy Kimmel DM'd me and I thought it was a prank because he was like hey, who are you? I saw your videos. You're talented. What's up? And I was like, uh, and I just like, and then we ended up chatting back and forth. It was the real him. I confirmed it like 20 times. I'm not being pranked. Um, And then eventually he was like, well, next time you're in LA, let me know. Uh, Maybe we can, we can meet. And I was like, oh, that's so crazy. I'll be in LA next week. And then I bought my ticket to go to LA, of course. Um, and so then I went out and uh, just happened to get lucky and met him, and we, like, really hit it off. He's the greatest dude. I love Jimmy. He's, like, his, his like a nice family. He's, like, the only, like, late-night host, I feel like, who's nicer in person than he is on the air. Like, so many yeah. TV people are, like, so sweet on air, and then, like, the cameras shut off. And they're like, yeah, bro, where's my fucking Diet yeah. Coke? You like, usually get Nellen DeGeneres or whatever. Yes, that's who I was mostly <laughs> yeah, talking about. Yeah, that's a direct quote from her. Um <laughs> But there was a. But with him, he's like an actual mensch. wonderful mensch. Yeah, I, yeah. I, he's a great dude, and he. We met and hit it off because he had lived in Seattle, and I was living in Brooklyn at the time, and where he lived. And I was a. I had started being a page at Letterman, and Letterman was like his hero. So we talked about all this, and then he was like, "Well, great, you know, just keep sending me your stuff. There's no job, but you know." So then I kept sending him stuff, and I was running out of money and um i was doing little odd jobs here and there in new york just to try to you know pay for sublets and whatnot um and then eventually one of their directors was leaving and they and i got a call uh like hey do you want to come out for a trial period and i was at the bean on ninth street new york and i remember i was on the phone and i just started like crying because i literally didn't have enough money for the next month to pay for rent uh and these two women that were sitting next to me went, are you okay, honey? And I went, yeah, I think I just got my dream job. And they go, oh, that's wonderful. I thought your mother died. <laughs> and I was like, no, why would? Why did you jump to that? I was saying thank you to someone. Uh, and so then I came out, and I was at the Lowe's Hotel. And uh, like right at in Universal? The, or No, the one downtown. that's like at Hollywood and Highland. Oh, like right okay. in the butthole. Oh, yes. Um, and I did a week. And then on Friday, I, I was like, hey, am I like flying back to New York? And I went to Jimmy's office and his assistant would be like, uh, let me check. And then I, I, and so then I got an email like late at night. I'd like started packing even because I was like, I don't know. It seems like nobody said like, you know, anything. And they're like, your stay has been extended for one week at the Lowe's. And it was just an email from the Lowe's. And that was how I know. And then I did another week. It, it went well, I thought, but I'm still so ner- Every interaction. And you're directing the show. So they have, like, I, oh yeah, I was, um, or are you like the, um, the segment please don't directors. destroy? 
Yeah, of... there were like se- there are four segment directors. Okay. So there's the live show director, which is like the one like you know in the booth calling, cut yeah. the camera one, all right, camera two, cut the blah blah. It's like they're like the auctioneer in the booth, and then there are the pre-taped directors, and so you know, and that's you know you're out on doing man on the streets, you're doing mean tweets, you're doing. I started doing these like uh, almost like mini commercial type things that we they were like you know it would be like uh, a sketch, but there's you know. Uh, uh, sun kissed yeah you know someone's holding that or um there's other you know or just sketches with celebrities or you know you know there's all kinds of pre-tapes that kind of fill out the show and so then the next so i did another another one and it was so fun i love it it, but i was 24 like and every all the crew was like there'd been grips that were 60 you know like that were there forever and i just felt like people hated me because i was like you know, I was like a child. The wonderkind. Like, yeah, and I, I was like, eh, actually, um, sir. Like, and I'm like telling them what to do, and I was like, what authority do I have? I had directed, a, you know, a lot of sketches online that had done well and shown different things. So there was, you know, I was like going, you know, that they, you know, maybe they've seen that stuff, and they, you, but they didn't respect me at all. Rightly so. I was a child, um, and uh, just got, you know, just just got lucky that jimmy saw some of those things how did you win them over zach you must have i feel it like... took years okay. it really took years but they're all very sweet people and i totally understand why you wouldn't want this random 24 year old off the internet <laughs> it was like the version of like a tiktok you know uh-huh. person coming in uh to a show and being like you know in your boss suddenly i'm a co-ep like, now it's yeah like, what exactly. have you written it's like nothing i do no, TikToks. Yeah, yeah i do six second videos <laughs> so it was it was probably uh and i know tiktoks can be longer i know it's not uh-huh. fine uh and there's a and ton of creativity we understand on social media we, we love get it. tiktok guys we are your biggest yeah. fans does that sound convincing yes. um i haven't downloaded tiktok because i'm very scared of the um not, not to derail us, listen, not to derail us i do want to talk to you about tiktok for a second because i was the same way i was like fuck this stupid thing i don't have time for another social media app or to like do more shtick mm-hmm. on like instagram works for me mm-hmm. uh i and I downloaded it, and I don't, I don't, I don't use like I'm not doing comedy on it, but just like watching shit is honestly fascinating. Like, yeah, I, and I, I understand now why people are like, oh, it's the best because I'll be watching. I'm like, oh, that, that's a really interesting way to get all my toothpaste out of the fucking tube, <laughs> and then I'll be like, oh, dang, like there's this whole thing about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and all these like you know mm-hmm. crazy conspiracy. You can find anything about any. I, I yeah. just. That's what scares me about it is that it's too good. I know. Is that I'm very, like, I have a very addictive personality. So I just know uh, I would get into holes. Like, I would just get pulled into these whirlpools of just like, oh, what happened to the afternoon? Oh, I learned how to make a birdhouse. I don't make birdhouses. Why did I do that? And the algorithm is so fucking good that if you watch one birdhouse video. You're the bird guy forever. (laughs) You're the bird man. Yeah. Uh, You're the green menace. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to. So, no, we're back. So we're uh, so I. So you're show week. running after a week <laughs> of Kimmel. I wasn't. Sh- you're you know, the lows. There was a lot of people still above me, but they went. Uh, every, I went back the next Friday and was like, "Hey, am I? Do I have a job on Monday, or should I go back to New York?" Because I was still renting yeah. my place. And they were like, "We'll check with Jimmy." And then I got another email from the Lowe's. Your reservation's been extended for one week. Went back the next Friday. Hey, do I still work here? That happened for four months. For four months, every week. One time there was like a one month. They were like, your stay's been extended for one month. But for four months, I was just living in a hotel. Uh, and I remember it was so expensive to do laundry there. Like to do, I, and I would do shirts and jeans, but you had to pay by the individual item. Oh, shit. That the, to wash socks 
was more expensive than to buy new socks from Muji, which was, you know, they they just sold them in the big, big yeah. bags. So I'd just be like buying new socks because it was it was more economical. And I still wanted to save all my money because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to have this job forever. But after four months, they were like, uh, just like get a place. We're not paying for your dumb hotel anymore. Um, and I was like, so it's, do I have a job? And they're like, well, I won't go that far. But you, and then I was there for, for like, Two and a half, three years. Incredible. Did four hundred episodes, and it was such a great crash course because, um, you know, doing sketches on one. I love late late. Like every single time they would do tape the show, I I felt like to me I felt like I was in church. Like you, I get that like spine tingly yeah. feeling, like seeing Jimmy, seeing the audience, seeing all the lights, the crane coming over, like just seeing all that inner workings. Even though I was in the machine, yeah, I it still I still got that like. Uh, that like studio audience feeling every single time um and and i made inc- the people there are brilliant like the the it's like you know the prop makers are like you, in the morning you go hey i need like a baby but it has like tentacle arms oh and it's also a remote controlled and it can scream and i need a human voice they go great and then by three o'clock they're like here's four options and they're just or like the set departments are just like and this is the same way at snl that they're just so good and so fast and so they're just the crafts people are just incredible at these late night shows. Just the amount of talent that they have and how fast and how creative they are is just incredible. Um, the editors are insane. Like they're just able to cut things so f- like the yeah. at, at SNL you get they're, they're shooting it on on Thursday or Friday and then airing it Saturday. Like a extremely tight, well produced, well edited, lots of special effects, all this stuff. In, in in 24 hours that wouldn't you know just a reasonable human would take weeks to do those things so they were the people there and it was such a crash course and also a bunch of like genres because they'd be like today you're directing a sketch that's a western and i go well, I, I, I didn't tell them like, I, I don't know what that so you, you just watch a bunch of westerns and you shoot a western you go okay i can do a western yeah. and you just kind of figure that out for all the genres so it was a lot of um kind of trial by fire and um uh you know some went well some didn't go well but I did well enough that I was able to kind of keep keep getting you know one 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 more week. And so Zach, when do you be like, okay, I'm gonna try my hand at writing now. Like I'm gonna write my first script, yada yada yada. Yeah. So I, I always had been writing still. So I was writing sketches. I was like on a, doing UCB stuff. I was doing stand up most nights. I was doing. Um, I'd still been, you know, submitting to like the New Yorker and McSweeney's things like that. So I was always Dang. writing and doing prolific. Well, it, it's it's I guess it could be considered that it's also coming from a it's also like fear of like I need to shoot a thousand shots to hopefully, yeah. you know, especially at that time or you know, you I had no money and no confidence and no connection, so I'm like I just need to find handhold, gr- you know, yeah. grips wherever I can. So I I always did the and whenever, you know, people ask for advice, I'm like just try shotgun blast technique of try everything. I was like an amoeba that like, you know, amoebas, they like, you know, squeeze their little arms out in every direction and where they find like a little sugar, they like, you yep. know, they like ooze that. I'm like, a career's like an amoeba. <laughs> like there are some, and I'm jealous of the people who aren't like that, that are like, they come out of college and they're like, I want to write horror hour long uh, dramas uh, set in 2005. And that's all they write, and they always write that, and they they have an incredible career doing that, doing that. And I'm like, I am in awe of you. And meanwhile, I go, oh, you, I will do. Like, I, I just want, I'll try anything, and if it sticks, I'll do it. And then so I've, I've, it's made it so I've had a very kind of 
seemingly random breadth of, you know, I've done animation, hour longs, half hours, features, sketches, uh, satirical news, New Yorker style things, political speeches. Like I've just tr- done everything because I've tried doing a lot of little things. No, I think in every direction. I think so- that's incredible and indu- incredibly industrious, resourceful of you. Um, because and I'm the same way. It's like I need to have thirty balls juggling because yeah. by the end of this week, three of them will go up in flames, and I still got twenty seven more. So <laughs> exactly, like it's okay. Yeah. And um, I always say it's like if you wanted me to write an episode of how to get away with murder or Ted Lasso, yeah, right. I'd never get hired on that. Um, or like, well, only because back- it's done. My and that's friend, true. But what about right a spinoff? There's going to be a spinoff. There's got to be a spinoff. Um, or the back of a shampoo bottle. I don't care. <laughs> if you will pay me to do what I love to do, yes. I'm, I'm happy to, like you said, I'll, I'll find a foothold anywhere. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Go where the cash is. Yes. That's, I, which is, yeah. So that's how I've unfortunately had to live my life. And or what, fortunately, I guess. And Good. what was your first real like writer's narrative TV show writer's room? Well, it's interesting because, I mean, after Kimmel, I went to SNL. Okay, and, so then that's um, well, we can do we can do a little bit on SNL because I think that's a great that's a great topic that I a I've watched SNL every Saturday since Sandler. Oh wow, still? Oh yeah, oh, I wow. will still watch it every Saturday. I come home from the bar or you know whatever birthday dinner I was on, and I'll I'll watch it. Like I love My it. Goodness, it's, and I, and I, I think a lot of it as um as a younger kid I would just stay up as late as I possibly could. Up until college, where I was like, "Oh, like sleep is the ultimate luxury," <laughs> I would stay up as late as I, you know, humanly possible. And so, on Saturday, I always felt like, "Oh, like SNL cast is like they're not my friends, but like they made me feel like I wasn't alone up at yeah. night in a very weird way." Yeah. Um, and so I love it. And so, yes, you naturally saying, "Well, and then I went to SNL. Great, I want to hear all <laughs> about it." How did you audition apply? Like, what's that like? So the, you send in a packet of sketches, five sketches. And I had uh, sent it in three years in a row because that always been my, like, dream job. It was, you know, I had found an email from, like, seventh grade being, like, you know, you had to write an essay about your dream job, and I, it was SNL. And so I always wanted to do uh, – wanted uh, to do – to you know, and I didn't think it was possible because I knew it was very, like, you know, Harvard Boys Club and, like – uh, very hard to get in and you know I just didn't I didn't know folks and and it just seemed like this in in like un in, unpierceable tower but I I just kept sending in packets in the third year um they have to, the, the way they read the sketches is they have a, a recommended a tiny stack of like oh someone a producer someone on the show recommended this person and then they have a thousand packets from of unrecommended people uh that's just like they didn't know anyone and just agents do a you know big wide net uh so i was in the unrecommended in the third year they just read it and liked it and that was it and i in the unrecommended pile and i was the only person i got told this i don't know if it's true but they said i was the only one who got in that year or in the many years before from the unrecommended pile (laughs) so i was very proud of that um but just because, uh, and I don't know how, whatever was in it that tricked them into thinking it was good, but it was, they they liked the sketches, and it was ones I knew all worked, because it was ones I'd been doing on the live shows uh, back in New York, and then, uh, and, you know, doing a lot of UCB stuff, so I was like, I, I know that these at least, like, I just, I didn't know if they worked on the, like, if they would translate, you know, on the page, but they, it worked, and then it was an interview, and then it was a, uh, and then it was a uh, 
Wednesday and I was on the toilet and they, I got a call and they're like, hey, you're starting Monday. And I was like, what? And they're like, okay, yeah, we'll see you in New York. Beep. And then, so I was, I, so then I, I wiped and I flushed and then I was panicking because I was like, I, I, I was like, I didn't know if it was real. Like I didn't have the paperwork yet, but I, I needed to start getting everything together and tell Jimmy and stuff. So eventually it was real. And I was so scared going to tell Jimmy. I remember I was like shaking and my voice was shaking. And I was like, but I have to tell him. Cause I, I kept thinking, what if I tell him I'm, I'm, I have to leave the job and then, and then they go, Oh, sorry, this, that this was a prank or, or this was, you imagine this, but it was real. And then I did go. And then it was a crazy time. Cause it was right when, it was right in the 2016 election when like Hillary and Trump and we were doing mm. those debate sketches yes. and we had protesters outside the building. And uh, it was when we were doing the cold opens and every time we would be refreshing Twitter as it's airing and Trump was tweeting like, fuck the SNL writers specifically. And like, so it was, it, and the, you know, it was a, it was a crazy time. And then also on election day, you know, that was also, it was the night of the election. It was the writing night on Tuesday. Oh, and we had written the show as if Hillary was going to win. And it was Chappelle, who oh, at the God. time was a very different different person. Yeah. Or maybe not perceived as a very different person. Um, uh, but he, uh, I was actually in the room with him when we found out Trump won. And he goes, I told y'all motherfuckers this was going to happen. And then just like walked out. Oh. And then everyone was like devastated. And then we had to, you know, write through the night to try to put a show together. And uh, I remember we pitched like a thousand different cold opens. And then they end up going with the like Kate McKinnon on the piano mm. doing the hallelujah. I know there's a lot of uh, a lot of guff that gets now. But God, at I'm the like, time, whatever, people, you know, uh, I'm going to keep hoping and you should too. Or whatever she yeah, said. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. are you running for government? Like, because that's... <laughs> it did seem like it. Oh, I remember the other thing from that night. It was the Hillary's victory party was at 30 rock oh so it was so it like out on the ice right outside our windows and then the trump victory party was like eight blocks north of us maybe like six blocks at the hilton and so anytime they'd call a state on the news we would hear before they called it came up on the news we would hear a cheer either from close or far and so it was this very like weird ominous thing of like we started hearing more cheers that were farther away and then you'd hear a cheer close you go oh and then you're, <laughs> and they kept all being farther and farther away. And then it was, uh, and then, you know, remember I, I just left the building at one point, just like, I don't know. I, I feel like it must've been a ghost church or something, but there just suddenly was a church and I like laid on the steps and just was like, man. And then, and then went back to work for another, I don't know, 12 hours because <laughs> you work through the night on oh, yeah. Tuesday. Um, and then, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a real it's a real crazy place and uh uh i mean every every wednesday then you is the table read and that's really like the writers like the writers you really live or die by that yeah and uh it's so long it's like you get this stack of of that's like you know it looks like a deli sandwich that's like it's so tall of just scripts and then that's only half of it because there's an intermission and, How long uh, do the table read take? Hour, like four hours sometimes. It's so long. And it, so it, it, there's a lot of um, politics of like if, where in the table read your sketch is. So like the people that like if you have the host name or the head writers or some of the more favored actors on your script because you can put, you know, there's you put your name 
but people you can also have a second name third name fourth name on a script so people like almost trade names like mm. it's very political all right zach then here's what we're going to skip to because it's a world of which i love and i and i'm i'm so happy that you are in the doozerverse yeah um because truly it's funny when you talk about daddy daddy to me is and so many of my friends that are writers that have worked for him is bill well bill's the other ultimate daddy and he's the he to me um was the greatest boss I've ever had. He's and the, incredible. And there are people, and I think, you know, when I started on Undateable, that year was all staff writers, but for like one or two people. Zach just cracked the... The 365 grapefruit sparkling water, naturally flavored with other natural flavors. Feels a little redundant on the... How's the bouquet? <laughs> the mouthfeel it's it, it's a gentler bubble than LaCroix not that I'm I like a I like a I like a, I like a punchy bubble mm -hmm. but it's it's definitely a gentle bubble are you a Waterloo guy or like a Spindrift guy I'm a spin me I'm too a, I'm a Spindrift man me too yeah what's what's your flavor well mango orange raspberry lime raspberry lime is my shit I love that the grapefruit is strong if you want something a little tart um <laughs> it kind of gets your your jaw clenching uh the, the 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 like iced tea one is is you have to be in the mood for uh -huh. it, but it's and, and don't drink it warm. That thing's got to be frigid. Yeah, but that's a, that's a nice flavor too. And it then uh, they're uh, <laughs> not for the kids, but they're uh, they're hard flavors. I are, haven't tried those. Are those good? They're pretty nice. Okay, <laughs> okay, good. I love Spindrift, and I will say for, for full disclaimer, they have sent me boxes of Spindrift. I am a Spinfluencer. I have to say, how do <laughs> I become a Spinfluencer? They have sent more them Instagram in a while. Do I need more Instagram followers? Yeah. Okay. It, it used to be on. I I used to get more like stuff from like you know uh, like just like random stuff like that, and I feel like with Twitter's um, hate speech, decline, yeah, decline yeah, into the just hate speech, and decline X. of Nazis, yes. decline of yes. general quality. Uh, there's there's less of uh, that for for Twitter folks. Can I give you uh, a, not even a tip of how I see? I love free shit. I mean, I'm, that's the best. You're a Jewish man, yes. Well, I wouldn't say that that's why I like no, it. But no, I no, no, no. But I love uh, a deal. I love a deal, and I love free stuff. I don't know if yeah. that's because I'm Jewish or just because I love a deal. Yeah, uh, probably a little bit of both. I have found, like for example, if I'm working on a on a on a weed related something, mm. I will reach out to Pax or my favorite weed company and say, Hey, just so you know, my name is Matt. I'm working on this weed movie for so-and-so. Here's the IMDb credit. I'm not a fucking lunatic. I have agents. I love your product, and I would love to share it with the other people on this pro project. If there was any way you might send me some samples, nine times out of ten, I have ended up with boxes full wow. of mushroom chocolates and yeah. weed and packs vaporizers it's the reason to work in this industry yes. is to get a swag bag <laughs> and i think swag bags are on the on the decline you know i yeah. think with it used to be the big big you know christmas presents and stuff from agents and managers and the studios everywhere the belts are tightening did you get presents from your reps do you get presents from your I, reps? I used to and i think the strike i think uh tightened things up a little bit and then i think there has also been a slow uh it depends. It depends if it's a if it's holiday, birthday, or sales. Uh, well, now now I sound very douchey. No, I don't, what do you I mean? What do you want? We don't douchey? do it. We don't do it for the gifts. <laughs> no, definitely not. But I want to. So here here's my. I have. I'm I, I'm annoyed by this. Sure. No. If, if I work all year and you get a teacher's salary based on the original garbage that's coming out of my head, you should send me a fucking bottle of wine at Christmas. Yes. That's all I'm asking yeah. for. If we sell a pilot, sell a movie, whatever, 
is a lot of money. If you spend even a $40 bottle of wine, that's a nice bottle of wine. Yeah. That will we will cherish you. Yes, we will cherish you. As a, yeah, it's it's very little to to uh, get a writer to cherish your their reps or, or studio. And I think I think they just see it as a a bottom line, you know, for sending out you know ten thousand forty dollar bottles of wine. Totally, that's gonna. The only time I really got like a nice present was when I got the the series order for Fairfax, which I was expecting. I I, I hope that was like a three year. What'd you get? Thing. Like a really nice bottle of champagne. Champagne, nice. Something like nice. that, I think. Um, I think you get like some supreme stuff. Or honestly, I don't even want it anymore. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm so I'm just like closed. Like get the like I just I have no. I feel like I did though help take supreme. You know, down at least it's gone from Fairfax. It's on. oh, it's they got rid of that story. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I knew I knew our show was not coming back the weekend it came out. And that was only season one, and we had a two-season order. But they built this huge fucking latrine parody store, like dumb Starbucks, next to Supreme on Fairfax. Uh-huh. And I stood in there for two days on the weekend asking people, like, oh, have you seen the show? What, like, what's yeah. the And they're like, what show? Aww. They thought I was just, like, doing – they, they thought, like, oh, somebody's just doing a parody of Supreme. And I realized in that moment, like, this should have been a season two idea because nobody has any – you know, no, like that would be like opening a Duff beer pop up season yeah. one of The Simpsons. It's like nobody knows what the fuck Duff beer is yet. That's very cool, though. It was. It was a great moment, and it's it's over. You know, it's it's what's next. Oh, it's a great show. Thanks, dude. You're a sweetheart. Um, shrinking, great show. How how is that experience? What, like you work on a show that is beloved by, and I ask people that worked have worked on mm-hmm. hit shows. Because I haven't worked on a show that was beloved in the moment, you know. Like, so what is what does that feel like to work on a show where you know people are watching and it's got Harrison Ford and it's yeah. beloved? I mean, it's I feel very honored to be in there. I love it. It's maybe it's one one of my if not my favorite room I've been in. Everyone in I is just so good. It's so like every writer. It's just like killers row of writers, and they talk about story and like emotional arcs and internal journeys in a smart new like us just a deeper way than i think and a lot of that is we've had more time than i've had on other series seasons of shows where on this you know we've been working on it for well including the strike over a year just on one season now and so there's had like we've just gone through every story has been had the tires kicked on it like a million times so the stuff that has survived and made it to the script is like real gems like i i think it's i mean it hasn't come out yet it hasn't shot it will start shooting in in a month or two but i really think it's very strong and i'm just learning a lot because everyone in there has done all my favorite shows like people are in the room have done parks and rec and community scrubs and scrubs did neil work just, on scrubs yeah he's yeah from and just like the it's in every it's just so there's just yeah and they're so smart and so kind and they were very welcoming from day one and i think it's a real difference from late night to narrative and i'm really feeling it with this room especially because i worked on so many sketch variety even after snl i did a lot i i had some luck selling some stuff but then i also just kept working and uh in sketch shows variety shows a lot of you know kind of late night-esque type shows and narrative is such a different thing because it's so collaborative it doesn't have that competitive feel like you know it's like everyone has their script and it just is and everyone's trying to make the product the best it is as opposed to late night where there's like slots like okay there's 10 jokes for this for weekend update and you know which 10 people got them or like here's 10 sketches and you know 
people are tallying who got this many this week or there's you know the monologue has x number of sketches in it and you know which writers got like it just it's it feels much more collaborative and less competitive than the late night world and also just the hours are better and talking about stories and characters i just i i've i always wanted to do late night but now having done a, a dozen or so in shows in the variety space it's really nice uh being able to you know kind of sink my teeth in more narrative and shrinking has just been a, a dream and now we're working in conan's old offices and as a kid who grew up on conan and i know i've watched every single conan remote that there's ever been 10 times and so i've i i i've seen these offices and all of his like behind the scenes remotes everything with jordan schlansky and sonia and all the things in messing with his interns and doing pranks on the people and doing all this stuff so i've seen every single one of those and i know I know whose desk is everyone's. And so it's such a weird thing of like, I feel like I'm like walking through these like memories that aren't mine, but as like a fan. And it's very fun to be like, oh, that's, you know, that's Kramer's desk. That's Sonia's desk. That's And, and I know which sketches happened where, oh, this is where he threw the chair. This is where, <laughs> you know, they, they, they built like a room around Jordan. So it's, 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 this is, you know, the kitchen where, Snap the pencil and threw it at. When so he would walk cool. around with his guitar, it, I just there's nothing better to me. Yeah, have you, you know? seen the scraps? No, what are the scraps? The scraps is this thing on YouTube of like, it's like the down moments. It's like things that were either cut from the show or m more so like rehearsal moments. And a lot of it's him like noodling on the guitar just at the desk at rehearsal and just like roasting sketches or th a thing goes awry and it's my favorite thing because you just see him and the other people just being real just being themselves and seeing the inner workings and even though i lived that life and like had those things at, at you know the the different late night shows i worked on uh there's there's something about just like seeing into into his process that i just i've seen those scraps like a thousand times they're so good get uh have you ever gotten to meet conan we met once. I did this Michelle Obama event that I had wrote, and it had all these celebrities, and he was one of them. It was like for her reach high. It was a like a college signing day event thing. It was like they filled the UCLA stadium with like fifty thousand people and had a bunch of celebrities come, and then he was one of them. And I like wrote like I, the thing was to, it was kind of like a um, you we wrote it like a variety special where you know if a celebrity comes in, you write a bunch of bits for them. And he came in and I was like, so, you know, there were other people there like he got like John Legend and like other like huge people. Man, and fuck I, John Legend. <laughs> got Conan. It was amazing. And then I and then Conan came in and I was just like uh, a, a gog. And the thing I noticed was he had a he had like a little posse with him and he never stopped doing bits, not even for a second. He was like always doing any time I passed him or I was pitching him something or anything. He was always doing some bit. And uh, it really felt like, oh, that's him. He just never, ever stops. He's also enormous. Yeah, he's so tall. I'm going to give you a little anecdote because uh, when I was an assistant at Paramount, they offered to make me a creative executive after two and a half years. I said, no, thanks, guys. If you had a magic wand, I'd be Conan O'Brien. Instead of telling me to go fuck myself, the presidents of Paramount said, well, let's go in. You should go meet Gavin Pallone, who's his manager. And like, you should go try and get a job working for Conan. Wow. So I go over to Conan's office. Um, I meet his showrunner, a guy named also named Jeff Ross, I believe. Mm -hmm. And while I'm sitting in there, I'm like, I, 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 you would know better because you know the layout of the office, but I'm sitting waiting for Jeff Ross somewhere. And in another part of the office, I hear the doors open and I hear Conan go, come on, 
Cherubaloos or something, you know, something like that. And and it's bring your kids to work day. And then he like uh, shuffled so his funny. children upstairs, or I don't know if there wasn't upstairs, but like in my memory there. Mm-hmm. And he walked by with his kids, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Imagine that he was your fucking dad. Like these kids, <laughs> do they know how fucking lucky they are? Yeah. But he was, like you said, he was not. He was doing bits to his kids. Yes. You it know? probably never stops. No. There's probably no off. No. 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 But I we got to meet him also because like actually meet him. We were doing a table read on the Warner Brothers lot, and Bill was talking to him. Was like, "You guys want to meet Conan?" And we were like, "Oh uh, yeah." And he like introduces to Conan. It was like wow. one of the highlights of my my life. Yeah, he's he's so cool. His documentary about what he did post show and then going on the road is very cool too. Yeah, I love seeing the raw stuff. Just like seeing him not polished. That last week where he just had all that cash to burn, he's like so Bugatti good. Mouse. I was like, <laughs> dude, dude, incredible, incredible. So good. The last thing I want to ask you about Zach is um selling projects because i think so much of at least the people that listen to this they're always like oh how do you get an agent how do you sell stuff like Mm. how do you pitch it and i always tell people a lot of what we do is like yes we do it alone or in solitary or in a group of 10 people but at the end of the day like i'm a salesman i have to sell something that i think is funny or i think is great or that i think is a complete world but i have to communicate that and now i have to do it on a fucking zoom app (laughs) so my question to you is is how do you like to pitch shows? Like, do you have like a formula? Or like, I, I lead with a personal anecdote, or like, what's your pitch style? I so yeah, it is so funny that we are at the end of the day, we are even in a writer's room, we're mostly salesmen. We're like pitching our traveling wares. Like, yeah, it's I say, a, I tell people I'm Willie Loman. Yeah, you know? exactly, <laughs> very much so, with all the the sadness and everything. <laughs> yes. Um. So we, let's see here. I I I. I'm weird because I love pitching. Me too. Okay. I get I get jacked up. Okay, good. It's, it's exciting to meet someone else who does because every other, not every, most writers I talk to would be like, I can't believe I have to fuck it. I wish they'd just read the script. I know. And I, I love the pitch process. I love, I, I maybe it's from doing stand-up and stuff. I love doing the, I like doing voices. I do voice acting too. Um and uh, you can see some of it uh, on Apple TV Plus uh, at Strange Planet. Uh, Dan Harmon's new show did some voices for that. Uh, but I love doing all that and like doing the characters and doing. So I just love that. And I also really love as a director um, doing all the visuals. So whenever I pitch a thing, I will try to have a full deck that like really takes out a lot of the. Um, legwork for them to imagine it yeah because these execs they're getting so many pitches and just to take out the like hey you imagine this here's the poster here's the you know if you can some people even do and i've done like trailers for things that are um i've pitched some things that are based on true stories and that have documentary footage or things i've shot and so being able to cut those into like a a sizzle reel or rip reel makes such a big difference because it just takes they can just go oh it's and it also makes it easier because most of the time when you're pitching you're not pitching to the green lighter you're pitching most of the time to someone who then has to go pitch to their go boss. pitch to their boss and if you are pitching to the green lighter they're also hearing 20 pitches that day so they need to be able to like remember it quickly unless they're buying it in the room so it's having those just like things to grab onto i think those visuals makes a huge difference. Um, I'm a big deck guy, especially in the Zoom world. Uh, looking at my, I don't want, don't look at my face. Look at these cool graphics. I'll, I'll hire artists. I love hiring artists and working with different artists. Um, and 
so yeah, especially on Zoom, I feel like on on uh, in live decks are always a little bit weird because the I screen's know. always like off I to know, the you're side. Like, Next slide, please. Yeah, and like they want to look, they want to like smile at your face, but they also want to look at the screen. So it's always a little weird depending on the layout of the room. But um, I I do like a Zoom pitch because also it makes it easier to you don't have to memorize because you I always I can put my uh my you know my uh script just like on ju- I, I make the window really small and put it just under the camera so it looks like i'm looking into the camera and they know i'm doing that yeah. i'm not hiding it but it just takes the pressure off of i can actually you know kind of sell it and think about things rather than spending all that effort to memorize it yeah. or have note cards that you're flipping through and you're just reading it in person um so i actually like zoom pitchings but i do kind of have a formula of how to of four pitches that it changes per by the project but um it usually starts and by the with, way if this is proprietary info and you don't want anyone knowing you don't have to hmm, say zach interesting maybe i should proprietize i do teach some classes and stuff like Same. that so i uh so but the but generally you do want to have a, that personal in like you were saying that's like really essential of like because there's so many stories is like especially if it's something weird like if it's genre forward unless it's like your story and even that you should start with why do you care about it if it's something autobiographical but like if you're pitching you know the next star trek or whatever it is well why do you care about oh well you you know you're when you were four your grandpa gave you a spaceship and that's all you cared about and or just whatever what's the emotional tie for you because there's so many writers and so many projects the thing that's also interesting now of what you what, what you're saying is I feel like post strike and even in the last few years it's a little different in terms of like going in with a pitch they like used to want more packages and that was all that mattered was like how many big names can you attach to this but now post strike I feel like places are a little that you still you know it helps a lot but there is a little bit of like I think the studios catching on to like oh are these people actually involved in helping or are they just jacking the price tag up uh so i think having people who, who you know making sure that the attachments are actually adding value and are actually involved in the process is also kind of a big part of the uh the the, the calculus now have you sold something in the room or in the zoom yes what, what does that feel like it was incredible best um, feeling ever right best feeling ever uh can you take me through one of those moments of just like and you're like, and I'm done. Yeah, and I said dumb, and they say this sounds. Um, I, what was the exact? Quote? I didn't realize I had sold it. What? 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 Or who? Who was the buyer? It was a studio, and they were. They were. Uh, they were just. They said, "Yeah, this is great. Let's um, let's. We'll, we'll figure out what to do with it." Or I, I forget what the exact that also point. sounds a little nebulous. Where you're like, what to do with it? Why I know, you buy it? and I well, I ca- I didn't know what they. I didn't know what that meant. We were buying it, so I kept. Pitching. pitching i kept being like no no so i really think it would you know and i kept talking about it and my my producer was like like he was like hitting my leg and i was like stop it and so i kept <laughs> pitching and he was like hitting my leg i was like man stop and then we get out in the hallway and then he was like you know you sold it right and i was uh i was like what are you talking about and then then they explained it and so i didn't even realize because when they buy things they st- they don't go like sold I like know. they're not like an auctioneer it's very like they still they're very cool about it yes the the only two things that i've had that happen one was uh a fox network show with lord and miller who were in the room and i was like they have a deal here if they don't buy this i fucking quit <laughs> it was right after spider-man um but the president i think michael thorne the president of the whole company goes 
uh, I think we have to do this. It was just like, so, <laughs> it was so mellow. And then day before Thanksgiving, actually, I sold something to a studio and it was on Zoom, and it was the day before Thanksgiving. I'm like, why are we pitching this? No one's going to give a fuck. Everyone's checked out. This is the craziest time to pitch anything. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you're making me do this. Um, and I pitch it, and like the thing is basically Redneck Succession set in the world of bourbon. And oh, the, the guy that we pitched, uh, starring Andrew Santino. I love it. And the guy that we pitched to, he goes, man, I would really like to get some of that bourbon. And I said, well, if you buy the project, we'll send you a case of whatever you want. And he goes, yeah, what, what am I even saying? Yeah, we're in. Let's do this. <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. And well, so, the bourbon is what really tipped I, it over I, the I edge. So, no, the, 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 the pitch was really good. And Andrew and I worked on it for a year. And it had a wonderful deck. And I, the, what they said, the feedback was like, we just like see it. It's a show. Yeah. It's like, well, good, good. Because that's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> um, Animated? Live action. Live action. I'm going live action. I I've, love that. I've done my time in animation, and I love it. And like you said, I'll do anything. You want animation? You yeah. want a fucking tearjerker drama on NBC? Let's do it. Sure. But this one happens to be me trying to do like uh, gemstones or hacks or like a blue chip streaming I love that. comedy. Even yeah, though, that's great. Is is Hollywood dead, Zach? I can't like, tell. It does make me very nervous. Uh, Someone tweeted yesterday of like all the shows that had been canceled or just ended in this year. And it was like, it was one of those where you had to click show more because there were so many. And it was, it just kept going. And it was like, I think it was like 250 or or something like, just like a crazy number of shows. And I I remember thinking like, oh, it's really sad. I want to see these shows. But I was also thinking each one of these shows is a business that employs like, with all the actors and crew and writers, that's like 400, two to 400 people maybe. And that's just now all those people now looking like, it's just, I don't, I can't tell, like, I know it's maybe imploding. People are getting, all the streamers are raising prices now. Uh, people are getting mad. Cable might be coming back. But, well, yeah, all the streaming. I'm like, you're all cabled now. You yes. all have commercials. Like, commercials, what, what are we doing? You're going to start bundling. It's, it kind of I a lot of people are anti commercials. I get it. It the the experience of watching a show is worse with commercials. But when commercials were there, everything was just simpler for the industry. It was just clean. Like it was it was everyone was getting paid. You know, it was viewership mattered. Like it was tied to your success because yeah. more people saw your Zales commercial or whatever it is. <laughs> And so it just made things, it was just clean. The reruns made sense of like how many times has the commercial been seen? It's just everything was so clean uh, that, I, yeah, I don't, I, I keep hearing about a, like that everything's going towards these like fast channels now where it's like free ad supported. Or like free V or whatever. Yeah, those type of things where people, and you like make playlists like of TV shows is hmm. like the. I don't know. Everyone always says that this is the next thing and that's the next thing. But yeah, Quibi really... was supposed to be the next thing too. Oh. Every, okay, here I will say this about Quibi. Everyone rags on Quibi. They deserve the ragging. They they blew through a lot of money. Did they get unlucky with the pandemic timing? Of course. Would it probably have fallen apart? Probably. However, to in Quibi's defense, they were taking risks on cool comedies. They they were giving they were just handing out checks to the weirdest comedians around and i and it was all cool interesting stuff 
a lot of it. Were did, you one of those comedians? I worked on four different quiz shows. This man. <laughs> I'm I'm a quib fluencer. So is my brother. My brother had a quibby show too. So I I I I don't hate it at you know I I respect it, but I'm also like. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know you were a quibfluencer. I love. I. It was just that they were willing to take risks. They were like, "Hey, Christoph Waltz, what's your, what's your like weird idea that everyone else said no to?" And that's the shit I would love. I love seeing that. And obviously, it's not a good business model, <laughs> but it's. It was just they were just willing to try weirdo stuff, and the execs were all really cool. Did you ever pitch like, to Katzenberg? Not to him himself, but I, I sold a thing there, and then I, I. Worked on a few things there, and it was all it was. I liked it a lot. It was they were and they were letting you keep ownership after a couple of years. Yeah. The business model makes no sense. <laughs> is is there before you before you leave? Because I know you're a spinfluencer, a quibfluencer. You have <laughs> shit to do. Is there anything you want to plug before you get out of here, Zach? Other than shrinking season two coming to Apple shrinking Plus, season two, Strange Planet season one. Um, no, I used to always just plug my Twitter because that's just was my thing. For Twitter now, no matter what I do, it just it feels it feels like it feels even when things do well, it feels desolate. There's something mm-hmm. about it that feels like my friends are gone. Like yeah. I'm like it in I left. Yeah, so many people left. I've lost like twenty thousand followers of just like it just ticks down every day. Even uh I think it's the new algorithm. They just uh, you just get shown things from randos instead of from the people you follow. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter who you follow anymore. Yeah. Um, but Zach Bornstein. Zach on, Bornstein on, on Twitter, and I'll tell you how to spell Twitter, that, guys. When he leaves, I'll Graham make sure we do threads. it. Okay. Oh, you're a thread guy too. I, you know, he'll do anything. Quibby threads. I'm baby. a blue sky. Yeah. I tried oh, blue, setting what up. What is a, blue sky? Blue sky is like the invite one. Yeah. That like it. It's it. It's actually the one that the the um the user interface is the most similar to Twitter. Okay. And it has, it's, it's started by Jack, the Twitter guy. Okay. He's like one of the people on it. So it actually, if enough people used it, which they never will, uh, it would, I think it might be the best one. And just in terms of the user experience, because even threads, they like you, can, there's no topics, there's no trending, there's no, uh, it's very hard to actually get information and they use, and they do the like, algorithm of people you're not following it's it's also very corporate and very porny uh i guess everything's there's a pornification of of social media that's uh i think happening too right now that's that's awesome maybe we'll have you back in a year to talk about the pornification of social media and and all of that it sounds like a thesis i would not want to read like a college (laughs) thesis Zach, thank you so much for doing this. Of course. Again, I apologize for costing you on the WGA strike line the way that I did. I love that you did that. It was so nice. Uh, you have a wonderful Twitter. You have a wonderful oh, career. Illustrious, some might say. Wow. We're all excited to see what happens next. That's very kind. From all of us here, right who you know. Everyone? <laughs> yeah. Moose and I, we are fucking <laughs> thrilled for you. But truly, thank you for coming to do this, too. Yeah, this is a blast. Um, you're the best. You're the fucking man. Talk to you soon. Yeah.